This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. You need to know what's happening. It's, 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 it's time to get in the huddle with Carl Duke, Brian Baldinger, and Jason LaConfora. Back for another edition of In the Huddle, guys. It's a playoff edition, super wild card edition. Carl Dukes put him up along with my man Jason Lacanfora. And, of course, Baldy will join us on Thursday uh, to talk about all things that are going on as we head to another incredible divisional round weekend. But let's recap, Jason, and let's start with what happened last night with the Philadelphia Eagles. Today, there are thoughts that Nick Sirianni may be fired. They lose 32 to 9 to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yeah. I thought Baker Mayfield was brilliant last night. Um, I don't know if it was unexpected, but that may have been his best football that we've seen him play uh, since he's been in the National Football League. But what happened to the Eagles, who fell apart and collapsed the last seven weeks of the season? And I just think, Jason, when you talk about not being able to figure it out, the answers for Nick Sirianni defensively, you've talked about Matt Patricia offensively. The coordinator couldn't figure out how to turn things around. Jalen Hurts is also a part of this. I just think there's a lot of questions right now in Philly. Yeah, there's there's got to be a lot of unrest and uh, uh, just just a real bitter taste from everybody who sat in that owner's suite last night uh, and watched that game unfold. I don't understand the approach. I don't understand why they they look. The, the defense has given up thirty to everybody. Why you didn't try to win time of possession? Why you didn't lean into um, the strength and physicality of your offensive line? Just really doesn't make any sense. Uh, the team clearly was not up for this game. Whether they thought it was sort of beneath them after the run they were on last year and through the first eleven games of this year whether um, it's just a further sign of their deteriorating uh, chemistry and, and sort of locker room, um, whatever the reasons, they were uninspired and listless through long stretches of this game. And it's one thing for me to say it here. It's a very different thing for, you know, the, the league's broadcast partners are pretty careful about what they say. They say it. And Troy Aikman numerous times. <laughs> told the nation this is not what playoff football teams look like this is mm-hmm. not this is not the level of fight and compete uh that playoff teams exude i can't think it's going to bode well for nick sirianni the bottom has totally fallen out uh and if you were making a list of why he should save his job you're, you're having to go back a calendar year to come like like the the pros you're really having to dig pretty far deep into the past 
to justify that organization which has those standards and operates the way it, it has under that owner for a long time you're trying to convince them you should keep your job that that's a little that's that's a little different than you know where it would be those conversations how they would go in most places um it was it was pretty pretty awful you know they found ways to lose games and they found ways to consistently lose games to lesser teams on paper and to do it um without a whole lot of verve or like spine you know it and, and as we've talked about in the past if you're going to make a move like this and there's people who you really would like to talk to who are out there you're going to have to talk to them now because we, we could be talking about nine or ten openings which means a lot of guys are getting jobs yeah. you know and i'm not sure how many dudes who were fired are getting them you know i don't think if mike mccarthy's fired i don't think anybody's hiring mike mccarthy you know, it's not looking great for Arthur Smith right now. You know, we'll see if Belichick gets one of these. Maybe he will, but maybe he won't. You know, so what does that mean? That means all, all of sort of the, the next wave of talent, those those guys are getting jobs. You know, like I, I don't, you know, if Sirianni's fired, I wrote about this in the Washington Post a week ago. The GMs I talked to, they don't think he's getting a job right away. Like, that's not everybody's cup of tea. He's not really buttoned up, you know? He can kind of say and do some things that are a little outside the box, that skew a little bit abnormal. Like, and his whole staff that got into the Super Bowl, you're not bringing those guys with you. Those guys are already coaching other NFL teams. He lost them a year ago, and then the whole thing fell apart. So do you trust him to be able to put together a staff on the fly? Like, so if I'm the Eagles, my thoughts on the Eagles – I think the Eagles are in the market for a new head coach, certainly by the time we reconvene with Baldy later this week. Yeah, I just – here's the thing that always concerns me uh, when we talk about these coaches. When it's going good, great. But when it's going bad and you can't fix the problems or identify the problems, that is the issue. This is why Mike T has been so good for so long, Right. It's not that he's had the best players, the best quarterback. We even saw it this year where they went through, you know, crap, but he's still able to find a way to get him a winning season and be yes. in the playoffs. I don't think anybody expected them to, to, to beat the Bills, which we'll get to in a second. But you've got to identify these problems, and then you've got to try to fix them. And I think Sirianni had no idea or didn't know how to fix them, yeah. and it played out over the last five or six weeks, and it just kind of snowballed. That's more concerning to me, Jason, than – then, you know, whether or not you're calling the right plays or you have the right uh, scheme on defense, because these are the kind of things that happen in a season and you go, all right, if he couldn't do it this year, what gives me belief that he'll do it next year when we go through a three or four game losing streak? Because it's bound to happen. Yeah, um, there was no course correction there. It's just things got worse and worse and snowballed. And the decisions he made from a staff standpoint amplified the problems, didn't put any of the fires out. And um, clearly those players were not connected and they weren't connected to this staff. And uh, I, I just don't think that's going to bode well for him at, at the end. Um, I think we, we go back to, well, if we've got to help him hire four or five new coaches, then 
that's half a staff or, or a, a quarter of a staff. And maybe it ends up being more than that. Maybe it ends up being seven or eight when we include position coaches. Then are we better off just seeing what somebody else has to offer across the board um, and rebooting to a certain degree? And I, I'm sure that Jalen Hurts is probably more hurt than we knew and was dealing with more things than probably showed up on the injury report. But you want to talk about just an individual regression as well. Um, he he got paid, and then the staff found out ways to bring out less in him than <laughs> it had in years. You know what I mean? Yeah. You had yeah. to go back to the first half of the 2021 season to find an Eagles offense that's this just disjointed, that's this out of whack. And, and also, again, I'm going to go back to it. I don't understand why he and DeAndre Swift didn't combine for 35 carries last night, at least 30. Like, Jason, I, I just I just don't know if they outsmarted themselves, you know. I, I don't know if, if that's now, like, considered a little bit off limits, but, like, especially in the playoffs, if that's in your toolkit and you don't tap into it, then you're doing everybody a disservice because Josh Allen, they certainly tapped into it there. Like that, that was a main thing for them. A main thing for them was Josh Allen providing um, explosion plays and providing uh, misdirection and deceit with the football and what he was going to do with it. And that just wasn't, that just wasn't a thing for the Eagles, even down the stretch when they desperately needed a win. It wasn't enough of a thing. I was going to say that it's a great point because in week three, um, when they played the Eagles, I think the Eagles ran for over 200 yards. Yeah, <laughs> over 40 that, carries, yeah. And that, to your, yeah, to your point, and you just didn't try to, uh, uh, you know, adjust last night whatsoever. Guys were talking about the Eagles – Big shout out to Tampa Bay, by the way. This is not any disrespect to Tampa. They won the game. No. They they did a hell of a job. Uh, Todd Bowles and that defensive scheme, and he, he they blitzed all night. But this was more about the Eagles, which is why we're focusing on a team that was expected to potentially get back to the Super Bowl. And now with that roster in place and what Howie Roseman has built and what Jeffrey Lurie has done, you, you just got to believe like there was way more pressure on them to get this done. So we're focusing on that. But to your point, last night, Buccaneers, 426 yards, Jason, 23 first downs. They just did what they wanted to do. Every time, they pretty much did what they wanted to do with every possession. So Baker Mayfield didn't make mistakes, three touchdowns. Tampa Bay moves on, and we now know what the situation looks like for next week, which, again, we'll talk about later in the week. But um, – I can't count Tampa Bay out with the way they're playing defense right now and th this role. They're getting hot at the right time. It's why I like Buffalo. Let's shift gears and talk about Josh Allen because uh, that touchdown run last night and, and all season we kind of said, listen, if they're going to be great, they need Josh to do Josh Allen things. That was a Josh Allen thing last night, that long 50-yard touchdown. Yeah, it was it was something, man. It was speed. It was power. It was grace um dexterity I, I do think though like there was a critical point in that uh run probably around the pittsburgh 35 or 40 where he he pulls up and he kind of does this thing 
and part of me is like, is he almost like feigning, giving himself up? Like, is he feigning like he's going to go into a slide? And you see all the defenders really like, if you, especially if you go back and watch and slow it down, because you know, that's automatic 15. Where am I going to hit this guy? Everybody backs off. And then he's got a chance to kind of relaunch himself in the second phase of that run. And then he just uses his speed to, to run away from the pack. Like, I don't blame him for doing it, but I, I, I it does sort of, for me, raise some questions. Like, we've made it so hard to defend in this game, you know? And now, like, it's almost like they can they can get away with that, too. Like, they, they can make a move that almost looks like they're going into a slide and then pull up from it and, and house us, you know, take it another 35 yards to the house. But he wasn't going to lose that game. They weren't going to lose that game. Pittsburgh showed a lot of, like, the Eagles Pittsburgh showed a lot of fight, a lot of um, will and want, and they obviously were playing without their best player in TJ Watt, and that certainly affected them. Everyone talks about him as a pass rusher. He sets the edge too, man. He he solidifies the entire defensive line. He makes it really hard to run outside on them, and without him there, you know, and Joe Herbig's fighting his backside off, but that's just a different. It's a different body type, a different individual, and Buffalo was able to exploit Watts' absence. It's not just about the pass rush. Also in how they dictated the, the ball on the ground physically. But the Steelers did what they could. I, I thought Mason Rudolph um, battled and and did about as well as you, you – probably better than you could have expected. It's just a tough ask. Um Again, that's another team. Like, if you look at how Buffalo's constructed, and you don't have TJ Watt, I don't know why Najee Harris didn't have the ball in his hands more. You yeah. know, and really, you go back to a red zone sequence that was early in the game, so it gets forgotten by all the big plays that happen after it. But you got a chance to get some points on the board. This guy's been finishing drives for you on the ground. And you've got Rudolph chucking it around in, in goal-to-go situations instead of trying, you know, two or three Najee Harris. That interception ends up being huge, right? You you end up chasing the game by two scores very early, which then takes you some more out of your run game, even though not as much as they probably let it. And you're really fighting an uphill battle. Um, but, you know, look, the, the Steelers were game uh, – that they 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 forced Buffalo to play for four quarters, but you know the ten point spread was indicative of the talent imbalance there and the extreme home field advantage. You know, a weird game to be able to get up to play because you're never quite sure that you're playing it until they kick it off. <laughs> you know, even even Monday morning, right? There are still some questions about whether this thing's going to start on time or what's going to happen here. Um. So yeah, that's a tough ask for the Steelers, and ultimately they put up more points, you know, or about as many points as I think you you could expect. I mean, Buffalo only gives up about fourteen a game at home, but uh, the defense without T.J. Watt just couldn't get it done. One the same. Buffalo led twenty-one nothing before the Steelers scored on three straight possessions to get to seventeen points. But uh, you're right that that interception in the red zone brutal. Uh, if you're going to win that game on the road, and I'm with you. I thought Najee should have touched it more, but, you know, it was one of those those weird games, to your point about 
you've got to be able to overcome the elements. We saw it in Kansas City. You just, you know, you got to put put it out in the back of your mind. And it's easy for us to say when we're sitting here in a warm environment yeah. in the house and watching, but those guys, it's cold. I don't care who you are. And um, the Steelers now have lost their fifth straight playoff game. Mike Tomlin was asked after the game uh, about his one year left on his deal, and he walks off the podium, right? Mike, are you – I'm out. They would be idiots to, to let Mike Tomlin go, but I want to get your thoughts on this um, because, again, you can't dismiss. Yes, he's got all these winning seasons. I think he's great, but they've lost their fifth straight playoff game. Is he done? Do they move on? Oh, that would that would be the stunner of all stunners of this entire. Uh, that would that would be five times the shock to me that Pete Carroll was, and Pete Carroll was was surprising me because of the timing. Because I think you know Jody Allen's probably only going to own this team for another year or so. So huh. I was surprised she shook it up like she did. Um, no, they're not letting out luck. If he if he takes a sabbatical or whatever. You know, I, I that that would be one thing, but the Steelers want him back and will, you know, want to do a long-term extension with him. And my suspicion is ultimately they get there. Um, but look, that that's that fan base there. Like, there's been a lot of things said about Mike. Like, there's been a lot of finger pointing and. Like, I don't think they realize how good they have it still. And I know that everybody wants to win the Super Bowl every year. That guy puts you in the conversation. He's shown no matter what hand he's dealt, you're in, we're into late December. We're into the playoff push and you're still, you still have a fighting chance. Don't, don't, don't undermine what that means. Um, so I, I think eventually, you know, if he wants to keep coaching anywhere, if he wants to keep coaching, period, it'll be there. Now, whether or not he steps away, he's 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 been doing this a lot young a long time, but he's still a young man, and we've seen people in those situations at times. Joe Gibbs, Dick Vermeil, John yep. Gruden decide, hey, I'm gonna peel back here for a while and spend more time with the family, et cetera. I, I think he'll be back. Um and I know that the Rooney family thinks as highly of him as ever. Yeah, I, I, to, I tend to totally agree. Uh, and I just think it'd be a dumb move. If he walks away, yes, uh, but not for them to do that. It's in yeah. the huddle, guys. Jason Lockon for Carl Dukes. Baldy will join us uh, later in the week to talk about the division matchups. When we come back, it only took 30 years. We'll talk about it next on In the Huddle. Jason Lockon for Carl Dukes. Here's the deal, Jason. The Lions crowd was unbelievable. I, I just, listen, I, I guess all that pent-up frustration of losing yeah. all those years finally came out. And I was I was happy for the Lions, man. I'll be honest. I got friends and boys from Detroit. It's like they, they were clamoring for something positive to happen. Lions beat the Rams. It was a really good game, guys. 24-23 over the weekend. Um, before we get to what happened with the Cowboys and the Packers, this game offensively, these two quarterbacks, first half, I mean, Jared Goff's nine for nine. He's just, whoop, 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 just throwing the ball around. Stafford comes out. He's doing the same thing. And, Jason, I thought this game might be, you know, 35-38. Yeah. The way they were playing. But a well, great win for Detroit. Yeah. Huge win for Detroit. I, I, uh, 
Worked at the Detroit Free Press for three years, covering the Red Wings in the late 90s. Loved it. Awesome people there. Amazing sports town. Um, and, yeah, they've had, you know, not that everybody is a Michigan fan out there because a lot of people do root for Sparty. But still, um, what happened at Ann Arbor and then now this in a short period of time, that's that's uncharted territory for Detroit area football fans. Um, I thought it would be raucous. I didn't think it would affect Stafford. It really ultimately didn't. You know, Stafford getting banged up in that game, whatever was going for him to play as well as he did, despite what was going on with the hand and some of the shots that he took, I thought was was pretty special. They just couldn't finish in the red zone. You know, and whether it became too Cooper Cup-centric or, you know, a little bit of play calling, a little bit of missed execution, they needed to finish one more drive um, with a touchdown. And, you know, Sean McVay, some of the stuff with timeouts, I'm sure there's things he would have liked to have done differently in that game, without a doubt. Maybe going for it um, in the red zone a little earlier. Uh, that There were, you know, there were game management things that I think if he had a second chance to do it, he would, again, do it a little differently. Uh, but the Lions got those stops. And, you know, the Lions did take Cooper Cup out of the game. Nakua went wild, but nobody else really did. You know, Robinson yep. did what he does. He got his 45 or whatever. Um, but they didn't get much out of the tight end position. And, you know, the run game, did, you know, Detroit's been good, really good against the run all year. And they, they also held, you know, Kyron Williams in check. Um, you know, Laporta showed up a couple times, which was huge. I, I still don't think he's anywhere near 100%, but maybe he'll be a little better for this next game. But he obviously, uh, bless you, showed up in, in critical moments. Golf managed the game really well. There wasn't the crippling turnover. Um, Aiden Hutchinson got off like, they, they deserved to win that game. There were a couple times where I thought it might get away from them, and it didn't. And now that they've won, they can all collectively exhale a little bit. Uh, and, yeah, look, that's the antithesis of Philadelphia right now in terms of, right, yeah. you talk about guys who play for each other, guys who don't give up, you know, guys who are a 1,000% buying what the coach is selling. Um, it's a totally different vibe and yeah I, I you know they're they're favored by about a touchdown against the bucks and this is a pretty good this is a pretty good position for them um that that environment will be nuts no doubt about it uh baker mayfield's been really good on the road like re, he's really been better on the road than even you know at home so He'll probably be up for it, and maybe he's feeling a little better next week than he was in this game too. But just a, a really nice job by the Lions to, to to close that thing out and and find a way to score one more point than an opponent that I think, you know, for me the Rams are one of the six best teams in the NFL right now. Yeah. You know, so for 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 the Lions to do that six or seven whatever, uh, both conferences combined. So big big win for the Lions. I uh, I just want to talk about Brad Holmes for a second. Um, yeah. The post-game locker room speech by Dan Campbell, uh, which the Lions posted out there, and he gives Brad Holmes a game ball. 
People don't understand, and we talk about the Rams. He was with the Rams. He was there when they drafted golf. He was one of the guys that did the evaluations on golf. Yeah. Golf comes in, Sean McVay's there, they go to a Super Bowl. And then they make the trade. And Brad Holmes is the first thing he did, and people forget, was he went and traded for golf. And look at the roster that he's built with trades, but more importantly through the draft, right? You just yes. talked about Laporta. You talked about their tackle. Um, all the guys that have been key components into building this, right? They went and drafted Jameer Gibbs and got killed for it last year. Kid's been great. Um, I think Brad Holmes has done as yeah. good of a job as a general manager in this league over the last three to four years than anybody. And now it's paying off. And Jason, as we're in this coaching cycle, we talk about it all the time. You got to get the right guy, but that GM component is also a very important piece. Brad Holmes has simply kicked ass in, in Detroit. No doubt about it. You got a tone setter uh, head coach who can get guys ready to play. And then you, the, the, the Brad Holmes in that front office has done an excellent job of um, acquiring talent. And, you know, look, you could say, well, anybody would have drafted Hutchinson. Well, I, I can tell you, I can tell you who passed on him. So, you know, <laughs> uh, so it, yeah, you have that, but you also have, you know, the Amon Ross St. Brown, right? Who isn't a one-one or anything like that. Um, yes, what they got out of Gibbs and Laporta as rookies, the attention they played to building that offensive line. I mean, when you gotta remember when Jared Goff got there. A lot of people thought that's where his career is going to go to die because at that point in time, they, they, they couldn't run the ball. They couldn't pass block. Like the offensive line was a big, big problem. And that's now become one of the discernible, you know, true strengths of, of that team uh, from a talent and execution standpoint, you know, branch was an awesome pick in the second round. Yeah. I mean, there's just, they've gotten a lot of talent, a lot of productivity out of their last couple drafts. In particular, you know, and now they've got, you know, what they have, what they've done in free agency, like they've got Gardner Johnson back, right? And, yep. um, you know, he's got now a game under his belt, so that should be big for them. Uh, yes, they have done, they've done an awesome job raising the talent level there. Uh, no two ways about it. And the quarterback has been an awesome fit for for that dome, and for what they're building, and he's got his confidence back. And you look at this field of remaining quarterbacks and, like, how many have been to a Super Bowl? Not a whole lot. He has. Yep. You know, he has. So, um, and I suspect, you know, that he gets a new deal. I thought before the season he was going to get a new deal at some point in time. A lot of people told me around the middle of the season Goff was going to get a new deal. I think golf's gonna. I, I I think they're gonna be riding with golf for a while, and you know they're they're gonna they're they're not gonna need to move up to draft a quarterback or anything like that. Yeah, there's no better option in this particular draft than what you currently have because you're still rolling the dice whether you wanted to do that or not. I agree. Um, can't wait to see that matchup with the Lions this coming weekend and and see how that plays out. Um, but we'll talk more about that. Got to give Jason Lock on for some credit. If you listen, watch this podcast, however you access it, you can go on YouTube in the huddle pod for months. My man has been saying, I don't buy him. And I've been saying, come on, Jason. And he's been saying, I don't believe. I don't buy him. 
And I'll be damned if the Green Bay Packers didn't go into Dallas and do something that I don't know if anybody saw coming. To win is one thing. This was dominant. This was a dominant win. This was, you guys can't stop us. Jordan Love was basically saying, I'm going to do whatever the hell I want to do. Dan Quinn had no answers defensively. This was a beatdown. Um, and now there are a lot of questions about where the Cowboys go, but let's talk about the game itself. What a game plan for Matt LaFleur to come out and then be executed the way it was by Jordan Love, Jason. Look, the, the Cowboys had massive flaws, and they were one of the most overhyped teams in gambling markets, one of the most over-talked about teams. Um, one of the teams where um, – you can't be that good and only have one way to win, right? And your way to win is play a lesser team, right? A team with lesser talent, play them at home and score on your first three drives and then play with a two score lead and run your cutesy, you know, smurf defense and move your best player around so you can hunt sacks, you know, and, and bank on, you know, a pick six against uh, a crappy quarterback or, you know, a middling quarterback, a pedestrian quarterback. Like that's that's who they were. Can't run the ball, can't stop the run. But nobody runs with us with volume because we played a pretty easy schedule and we got off the fast starts at home. And so we could live by this certain scripted template that works very well for us. But what what happens when that doesn't isn't the case? They fall apart. And that I mean to keep running out there with some of the light personnel that they did while Aaron Jones is gashing you. I, I, I just found it laughable. Not surprising because it's who they are. Yep. But just like they're I mean, again, people want to anoint Dan Quinn, whatever. If, if I'm an NFL fan and Dan Quinn's coming to my city to be my head coach, I ain't all that fired up about it. Um, I thought it was always a bit of a junk defense. You know, they're, they're, a lot of their principles on the back end, the same stuff that just got Pete Carroll fired. So like, I, I mean, whatever. Um, he's a great dude. Everybody likes him. That's awesome. Uh, he was handed a pretty good scenario there. Like he was, he was given a lot to work with there in Dallas and he built something that only worked one way and and to see it fail that miserably repeatedly this year, whenever they faced anybody who could put up a fight, like would inspire a whole lot in me. Um, yeah, I hope you sprinkled on Green Bay on the money line. The seven and a half, jump that. I mean, I told you guys, like, this is a game, man. This is a game. And the longer it's close, the more Green Bay is going to win. The only thing I didn't like about the game is that it wasn't close at halftime because I, I was hoping Green Bay would have been down by, like, seven. And you could have got, like, another, I don't know, plus 150 on the money line and maybe more <laughs> at halftime. And then you double back. But the game was over at halftime, so yes, was. there was no money to be made. Uh, on Green Bay money line, they were the more balanced team. They were the better coach team. Uh, they had the better quarterback. Uh, they had the better offensive line. They could run the ball. I'm still not sure they can really stop the run, but we weren't going to find out in this game because Dallas can't run it. Uh, and they weren't going to shrink from this. Dallas is it's loud. It's not an intimidating place to play. It's just no. It's it's no. not the black hole. It's not the dog pound. It's just not. And those fans knew in their heart of hearts, um, or really not in their hearts, in their mind of minds, that if Dallas didn't win the first quarter, they were probably in a world of hurt. And those fans would go quiet pretty quickly 
waiting for the inevitable failure. Um, I love LaFleur taking the ball first. I love him telling Dan Quinn, I got something for you, brother. Oh, yeah. I know who you are. And oh, yeah. I, I don't think you can stop volume in the run game. And once I establish a little bit of that, I'm going to destroy you on play action under center. You're going to have no answers for it. Jordan Love barely threw the ball. You think of how awesome of a game he played. Like, he threw it when he had to. They threw it with precision, and he threw it all over the yard. And, like, I think one guy on the team had more than three targets. Like, this wasn't, like, one connection with one guy that they rode hard. They spread it around. And they found the gaping holes in that defense, and they took advantage of it when they had to. But most of the time, they just punched them in the face on the ground. And Dallas couldn't do anything about it. And really, the game wasn't even as close as the score looks because nobody's as effective as scoring garbage points as the Dallas Cowboys. So, <laughs> I mean, I, I I hope he runs it back. You know, like that'd be fun for me because I already I, I can't. I, I, he may. I mean, seriously, he he might just. I don't do think that. he will. I I don't think he will, but I I hope he does because that's exactly what he deserves and what like they they won't. He doesn't have the institutional wherewithal to. He's too emotionally connected to it. He's picked all the it, like we say this every year. It can't be Jerry's fault. It can't be the GM's fault. Because the GM is the owner. Like, it can't be the way we build teams. It can't be the way we go after talent. It it, it can't be any of that because that's us. And so you couple that with a really uninspired, mediocre coaching hire, you know, um, and a lack of any sort of adjustments and, and really, I think, a lack of self-awareness from the owner to the coaching staff. Um that you can't self-scout enough to see who you really are and where your warts really are. Like, it's the same old Pablo. Uh, Jordan Love, 16 of 21. You talk about efficient. Two, I mean, come on. Three that's, that's, five, that's five attempts a quarter, Carl. It's ridiculous. Imagine <laughs> if it was eight, which it could have been. They could have done that. Yep. They could have they done that and hung a 60-burger on them. He made wild throw after wild throw. Back foot, sidearm, like guys in my face. And it didn't matter. And that was what was impressive about Jordan Love. Now, look, we'll talk about the games coming up this weekend. But Jason's right. 49ers are going to run the ball. Green Bay's going to have to stop the run. And I do think that this is a spot where it might come to an end. But you got your guy. He's shown you what he can do. You have your guy, and that's a young team. They're only going to get better. So I just want to mention this about Dan Quinn real quick, as you talked about LaFleur taking the ball, which, guys, again, if you know, most games, you win the coin flip, you defer, you take the ball in the second half. It's just kind of common, you know, the common thing to do. But Dan Quinn has yet to really ever beat Kyle Shanahan, and I'm going to take you back. When he hired Kyle Shanahan to become the coordinator in Atlanta as the offensive coordinator that ultimately took him to the Super Bowl, Dan Quinn told me the thing that he always loved about Kyle was he had an issue always trying to figure out what he was doing offensively. And when he was other places, whether it was Seattle and Kyle was in other places, whether it be Washington or Cleveland, and they'd play, he said, I always, you know, admired it. Matt LaFleur was the quarterback's coach on Shanahan's staff. He knew exactly what he wanted to do against that defense because he had been in the same building and seen it time and time again. To your point, Jason, 
He came out and was like, we're taking the ball because I know exactly what the hell I want to do against Dan Quinn. I'm just telling you. And that set the tone for the rest of the game. There are very few guys around the league who have had that kind of success against one guy, Amano Amano, Shanahan, and Quinn. But these guys that have been in the room understand what 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 you need to do to get it get it accomplished. And I thought that was what happened in that game. First quarter, we're kicking their butts, we're going down and scoring, and Dallas is in shock, and game's over. Yeah, and more people should do it. More more people should do it. Uh, again, if this is a thing moving forward, because Dallas Dallas needs the lead, man. They they are a front running team. It's in their DNA. It's in their culture. Um, and and yeah, just think about that though. Think about what you just said. Like Lafleur's got the answers to the test before he takes it. How? Because the test don't ever change. Because that that doesn't change. That's it. That is what it is. Yep. That's, That's it. what it is. I'll dictate to them. I know them. Like, that's a pretty strong indictment. It is. I'm just I'm just giving you some background. Now, oh, yeah. Now this week, it's teacher student, right? It's it's Shanahan LaFleur. Now, I, I think Shanahan's got more talent, but oh, yeah. but the play calling and all of that's gonna be very similar because they're just they're the same dude in, in many ways. All right, we got more to get to including <laughs> what we saw uh, continuing with Super Wild Card Weekend. we got to talk about the Dolphins, Tua, and the Browns debacle. We'll do it when we come back. It's in the huddle. Jason, let's start with what we saw with the Cleveland Browns. We knew Joe Flacco was not going to give a damn. Yeah. But back-to-back pick sixes, that kills you. I mean, it's a total backbreaker. Um, you know, you're thinking early in that second half that, well, if they can come out here and get a, get get some points, you know, this this might turn into a haymaker after haymaker. Uh, and that was just – that was a bridge too far to overcome. Um, he's trying to throw the one out of bounds, just can't get it there. Yeah, that'll do it, especially when Stroud's playing as well as he is. That'll do it. I thought at the game. I look. I thought the game would be closer. I certainly thought the Browns were going to score, you know, at least twenty-seven points. 20, certainly twenty-four. Um, the turnovers negated that, and their defense couldn't make any stops. Like it, it is. It's kind of crazy to me. As 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 great as that defense was in a lot of key metrics, they stunk in the red zone and they stunk on the road. Like, yep. And and yeah, I mean. The turnovers hurt, but these were pick sixes. So it's not like Flacco turned it over inside the 20 and the defense couldn't get a stop. Like, you're not even putting the pick sixes on the defense. That obviously is on the offense. The defense had to I mean, they had, you want to have no answers. I mean, you know, the ball's going to Nico Collins most of the time. They couldn't do anything about that. Um, they couldn't, they couldn't create pressure on Stroud. Whether they blitzed or or whatever, you know, like Miles Garrett, Sadari Smith, those guys gave you nothing in terms of pass rush. Jim Schwartz couldn't find a way to rattle this rookie quarterback in his first playoff game. He couldn't affect him, couldn't get him off the spot. Like, you know, I just I had a hard time kind of figuring out what to make of the the Browns defensively because. How great can you be when you give up 29 points a game on the road and take the pick sixes out of it? 
this was embarrassing for them. Yes. Like, period. Yeah. Like, defensively, this was embarrassing. But it's not totally out of character either. Like, that's why I love this as an over game, because I thought both teams are going to get, you know, I thought both teams are going to get to 27 at least, probably. Like, I thought this game, you know, starts at 50, you know, whatever, 54 for me. Uh, you know, they're going to have, like, what, what, what they're going to have a lot of self-scouting to do and a lot of reflecting. Like, why, why was this this persistent? Like, how can this be? What? Why are our splits this extreme? What is? What's the deal with that? And I don't. I don't want to hear that PJ Walker turned the ball over in week five. Like, no, no, we're past that. Like, I get it. Okay, that. Yeah, that's yes. All that happened. We did play a, a first half of the season without a real quarterback. Then we played with a guy who was leading the league in passing touchdowns and you know passing yards, and we still couldn't get stops when we needed them on the road. Um, as for the Texans part of it, man, what what a what a coronation of everything that has gone on there. You know, really, you, you take it back to this time a year ago, right? And the hiring of D'Amico Ryans. And then what looks like it's going to be an epic draft class. Whatever they do from here on out is, you know, is gravy. Like for, for them to have got that first win out of the way and done it against an experienced quarterback and an experienced staff and to have done it in the completely comprehensive way they did it bodes incredibly well for their future and you know now they don't just have a regular season foundation to build off of they've got a postseason foundation cj stroud is uh slowly becoming one of my favorite quarterbacks to watch Oh yeah. As the season has progressed. So we talked about uh Jordan Love, 16 to 21. Stroud was 16 to 21 as well. 274, three touchdowns, no picks. Very similar stats, yeah. right? We're not putting all that pressure on him to throw the ball. We're throwing it when we need to. He's executing. It's like he doesn't need to throw it 45 times. Now, the two pick six has helped, but I just think like in a game like this, and this is why Jason, I agree. Why didn't they just come after him? Let's just go after him like crazy and make him force him into maybe some mistakes. And I thought they kind of played reserved. I just didn't feel yeah. like they did enough of that, right? I'm watching the Bucs last night, and the Bucs were just like, we don't give a damn. We're oh, coming yeah. after Jalen. We're coming yeah. after Jalen. He's got to make a decision. Nothing was working. And that's what I thought the Browns might do which is probably what the Ravens will do this weekend. But I just – that's that was kind of the weird thing for me is, like, I just didn't feel like they got after him enough. Well, I, I think, you know, Jim Schwartz felt like his group up front could do some damage against an offensive line that had been a little jittery lately. Um, you look at the Texans, they're way up there among the league leaders in false starts, uh, procedural penalties on that offensive line. You know, even Tunsil, who's who's been a stud for the most part, He'd been flinching and jumping lately. Now, if you really dig down, most of that's on the road. Um, not as much at home. But, yeah, they they no matter what, he could not generate pressure on that young quarterback. And game flow certainly mattered because, again, as you pointed out, they, they won going away and only had to throw the ball 20 times. So if that's a 35 drop, you know, 30, whatever, a 42 drop back day, with 35, 37 attempts, 
does it come out, you know, does it play out a little differently? Does the defense manage to, to get a couple of sacks and a pick or something like that? I mean, we'll never know because they didn't have to. But really, th- th- that defense had, like, you want to you get those guys early. You don't want them to get the crowd even further behind them, right? You That's a big play offense that yeah. you don't want to allow to pick up some chunk plays and bring the crowd to life early. The, defensively, Schwartz had to win that first half, big sixes or not, and that stuff really came later. And that didn't happen. They didn't exert their will early. They didn't look like the better unit early. Um, and, yeah, I'm with you. They felt, I felt like they were on their heels. Jason, one last thing about this game, and then we got to talk about Tua, the Dolphins, and the Chiefs advancing, which I think is going to be an epic game this weekend, guys. Chiefs at Bills. The weird thing about that Texans game is seeing Deshaun Watson on the sideline. Was that a little weird? Wasn't that weird? Like knowing all that had happened yeah. and then Flacco's playing and he's on the sideline and he's in Houston. And it was just like, I, I don't know. I, you know, I, I was, that was the weirdest thing to me. Yeah. And look, that's another team where life comes at you fast and you're on this magic carpet ride with this guy you brought off your couch. But like, how do those interpersonal dynamics know? I'm going to tell you this with complete authority. There, there ain't no fiber of Deshaun Watson's body that wants Joe Flacco back in that quarterback. Oh, next year. I guarantee it. I now, whether they capitulate to that, you know, whatever heck, and this is all on the, on the owner, Haslam, because he's the whole reason that that, you know, despicable human being is there in the first place. But, like, I don't know where Haslam's going to be on this. Like, do you are, do you want to do you want to try to prove that you were right? You weren't right, and and it's only mm-hmm. degrees of how wrong you were with that acquisition and that contract. Just go look at what those picks have turned into in Houston, right? And and, oh. and go look at where Cleveland yeah. is, and what Cleveland's offense looks like now for a two year sample size with Deshaun Watson. It ain't pretty. Um, and he spent a lot of money the last few years, and, and there's going to be some cap casualties and all that now. Like, where are they really as a franchise? Like, that again, that offense never looked like that with, with Watson, and it never will. But, like, are they willing to put somebody in that quarterback room who actually would be a threat to getting a chance to play and then going on the kind of run where Watson suffered a two-week injury, but it's week four – and you're still making up lies and excuses about his injury to justify why he's on the bench. You know, I don't know if they're open to the, that dynamic. This shows you that if you're a Browns fan, you, they, they damn sight better be. But I just don't think that's how Haslam rolls. So, you know, it'll probably be the P.J. Walkers of the world around him next year. And I hope you enjoyed this. Just yank on me. Yank on me in the playoffs next year, if that's the case. Like, I, I'm just telling you, like, Good luck with that. You're you're gonna get to year four of this deal and have nothing out of it with Deshaun Watson. That, that I mean, it's staring you yeah. down the barrel, right? Like seriously, you, you've gone through two. You're about to go. You're about to get to year four. You you should have competed for three championships and all that with all the things. Oh yeah. Got. I'm just. This is gonna get really interesting with the Browns, but we've got all offseason to talk about it. Let's talk about the last game. Uh, as far as Super Wild Card Weekend, it's in the huddle, guys. Subscribe, like us, tell your friends, and more importantly, uh, you can watch us on YouTube at In the Huddle Pod. Dolphins only score seven points. Jason, complete fraud. I mean, like, 
against these better teams. And I'm, I don't even want to. I don't even want to talk about the weather. Who cares? Yeah. The weather was the weather. But when you play these better teams, they just never really played well at all this year. Mm-hmm. Now, the big offseason decision is going to be what you do with Tua. Again, another discussion. But the Chiefs' defense shut them down. And I thought, you know, for the most part, like, Rice, this is a kid Baldy's been talking about, right? Yeah. Eight catches, 130 yards, a touchdown. This was like his coming out party. Yeah. No, he's he's the main thing in that in that offense right now. He's he's the main cog. I think he was at five catches or more in seven straight games, fifty-seven receiving yards or more mm. in six straight. Um, he's had at least nine targets in six of their last seven games. Uh, yeah, um, Mahomes' passer rating when he throws to Rice is like one hundred and thirty. I mean, think about that versus the rest of that wide receiving group. Um, he doesn't have an interception yet this season throwing the rice. Uh, think about the rest. Think about what happens when he throws to Valdez Scantling or when he throws to Kadarius yeah. Tony, right? Or yeah. when he throws to some of these other Jamokes. Like, so that's a big deal. So he's earned he's earned Mahomes' trust. Like, I know he's gonna catch the ball or the ball's gonna hit the ground. Um, when I throw his way. The Dolphins, I mean, it it. I mean, it's not surprising, right? Like, it's that's going to be a low-scoring game, and they're going to lose. Um, the injuries are massive. Like, I, I don't want to – like, the weather, I'm with you. But, you know, injury-wise, they, 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 they lost a lot. But I felt like Vic Fangio on the defensive side, who dealt with a lot more than the offense did, felt like his group battled and scrapped, and, and he at least threw some junk at them. He came up with some – simulated pressures and he came up with some blitzes that at least got a ball knocked down on third down, you know, that kept forcing them to kick field goals, waiting to see if the offense could come to life. And it never did. I mean, they had one in one explosive play, the touchdown to Hill, which was a busted play and an underthrown ball. And that was it. I mean, there was no verve. There was no, uh, like, innovation like there was nothing um and really the whole second half of the season the offense you know never got back to the heights it did playing mostly home games against mostly bad teams in the first half of the season uh you know like we could talk about Mostert's injury Unfortunately, Raheem Mostert's been hurt a lot. That's why Raheem Mostert's not left San Francisco. He was an awesome fit there too, but they couldn't keep him on the football field. You know, so like, are, are, you know, is that run game? And then, you know, a change, great story. How many times was that guy soft tissue, this or that or the other? So, all right, well, if that's your backfield, that's your backfield. Um, the quarterback has limitations. He just does. Um, you know, I'm sure they'll pay him. I don't think it'll be a top eight contract, top seven contract, but I also don't think he's going anywhere. Like, you can win a lot of regular season games with him. Yeah. I don't I don't think you're slaying the dragon with him. Uh, well, here, here's the crazy thing about this weekend. Um, you talk about the limitations with Tua, and you watch the game with Jalen Hurts, and you feel like there are limitations there as well, even though he's already got his bag. And, you know, do you feel better about a guy like Jalen Hurts or Tua? I feel better about Jalen than I do Tua. Oh, absolutely, Jalen. You know? That to me, it's not even close. Because Jalen, 
can be special off script. Jalen can win yeah. for you off your playbook. Yes. Like Tua needs to, you need to call the right play, and the, like it. It's all about the whole thing. Jalen can just go do it now. Whether his body was holding him back this year, or the coaching staff was holding him back this year, or the chemistry there was just so effed up that he's like, I ain't running thirty times for these guys. Like you know what I mean? Like it's just not right, gonna right, work. Right. Like I have my hands banged up. Like everything's messed up. I'm hurt. I still have to play these. Like I, I, I don't know. But like, there's not that with Tua. There isn't that element of what's behind door number two on any given busted play. There's none of that. And given all he's been through with the concussions, even though I think he's more athletic than he plays, some guys it just never really manifests itself. It's not going to manifest itself for him. The Miami Dolphins are at their best winning games 24-21. That's who they need to understand who they are. They should be getting a lot of guys back healthy next year defensively. I mean, I think they need to draft corners, right? Because Howard's gone. And Ramsey, what was that? You know, we had all the hype about who's going to get Ramsey. And then he got Ramsey, what happened? Bam, he got hurt. And then he came back and he played well for a couple days, a couple games. But then people were people were going at him. They were picking on five yeah. weeks of the season. Yeah. yeah. So like they need corners badly. Like, but I think when they get healthy, linebackers are okay. They get their edge rushers back. Like they're legit. Like they got to. Can they keep Christian Wilkins? If they don't keep Christian Wilkins, now we start talking about the whole thing going in a different direction. They they need to understand that who the quarterback is who they are, and, yeah, we got Hill, and we did that thing with Hill and Waddle, and we still have it, but, like, we – our defense is our – like, the defense is the better unit. The defense has the better collective talent if they can keep it in place and keep a Christian Wilkins. And, like, we need to embrace who we really are, and we need to change our culture, and it's, it, it's not as much about the speed and the brawn – I mean, the speed and, 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 and scoring, you know, 70 points on people in South Beach – it's, it needs to be about the brawn and, and the combination of speed and physicality on that defense. I can't wait for next week. And we're going to talk about it later this week, or should I say this weekend, uh, later this week with you when we talk about the divisional round. Texans-Ravens, Saturday, 4 o'clock game. Packers-49ers, 8 o'clock game on Saturday. We get to Sunday. We got Bucks lions 3 o'clock. Chiefs Bills, first time Patrick Mahomes on the road in his career in the playoffs. That's going to be a good game. 6.30. So we're going to break them down, and we're going to talk plenty about them. We'll talk more about these coaching hires and uh, what's been going on, Jason, as we get to the end of the week, because hopefully more stuff will have played out. So today, as we record this, again, the only guy that's got the job is Gerard Mayo with the Patriots. Everybody else is still searching and interviewing and looking for their coach. So no news to report as of today, but that could certainly change by the end of the week. Yeah, I, I don't think guys are done getting fired. And obviously by a long shot, they're not done getting hired. Like, um, And yeah, these are, some, these are some times that we're living in when <laughs> Bill Belichick is interviewing with the Atlanta Falcons. How about that? Great. Like right, that's the kind of job he would have told Josh McDaniels for years. Don't go down there. That's not the <laughs> one you leave me for, right? They got no quarterback. There's no straight, clear road to a quarterback. The owner's old. He hasn't won in a while. He's not spending like he used to. You got to yep. deal with Rich McKay telling you how smart he is every day and trying to pick your players for you. And when it goes right, Rich McKay's in the owner's suite getting all the credit. When it goes bad, yeah, hey, I'm not a football guy. I just build stadiums like. How are you going to compete with that, Josh? No, you're not leaving me for that one. 
Like, sorry, no. Like, that's, I'm just telling you, like, that's for years. And now that might be the best he can do. He might have to grovel to get the Falcons job. I don't know. Like, yeah, I, listen, you know, this idea, I don't know. Jason, this idea that like he was going to be able to pick his job, I thought was BS anyway. <laughs> it's BS. Because here's the other part. You don't know how long he's going to be there. He's 72. He'll be 72 when the season starts. Even if he gives you three years, right? There are a lot of teams that are looking for stability, long-term. Can we build five, six, seven years? Can we be competitive? Not two and out. Not three and out. So, we're going to see, but it's all going down, and we're talking about it right here in the huddle with you. Jason, have a great day. We'll talk to you guys later you in the too, week. Buddy. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss anything. Take care, everybody. Twenty four hundred Sports is an Odyssey company. 